Wow. Uh, thank you so much for that. Karen and Karen. The Karens. I hope that's a new up-and-coming group, honestly. Really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. I haven't heard that song in a little while, and, and it was beautiful this morning. Thank you. At this time, of course, we'd like to again dismiss uh, children nursery age through fifth grade. Uh, you can step on back for Children's Church. And as a uh, uh, public service, uh, as we get going this morning, uh, before we start in with the message, I just wanted to remind everyone that this is the 24th of June, and so this means tomorrow is only six shopping months remaining to Christmas. You're welcome. Preacher, that sermon was going just fine until you reminded me about winter holidays in June. Well, how's everyone's month going, by the way? How's everyone's June going? I pray you've had a, a blessed summer so far. Uh, try not to think about the fact that we've somehow lost a third of it already. And this is Michigan, and we have two months till the snow starts falling. Boy, he really depressed me today in that message. And he wasn't even, before he even got to the... From what I can tell, it's been a... It's been a blessed time uh, for many of us. You know, after personally seeing and, and being humbled to be a part of so much uh, exciting kingdom work recently, and we've, we've talked a little bit about some of that this morning. You know, it appears to me that although it's six months past Christmas, is he ever going to stop talking about that? <laughs> six months till Christmas, just, just throwing that out there. We're still continuing to celebrate Jesus together, aren't we? All year round. Um, just have to say it. Uh, thank you, uh, Tony and uh, Gerald and Vic and a couple others uh, for all your work this week. Uh, I'm sure you guys have all noticed as you came in here this morning, these uh, new office doors and these uh, new entryways. Uh, they tore out concrete. They added this ramp. Uh, they did some power washing around the church campus. And, you know, i got to say, as the Church of Christ, I see you being so faithful in using your individual gifts given to you by Christ. And these are all examples worth highlighting of the church returning their God-given gifts to service. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for doing that. Um, I believe this is worth mentioning this morning, th these gifts uh, don't want to embarrass anyone by, by drawing attention to it, but church is not a place that you and I go to on Sunday mornings. I know, I know that's, that's what, what we like to think sometimes, that kind of language we get caught up in, but church refers to people, right? Church refers to people. The word church refers to Tony, to Gerald, to Vic, to you and me, amen? We, we, the people who are Christians, we are the church. And the Bible says the church, we're not just a group of people, but we're a group of people who are doers. We're a group of people who are doers. So if we're the church, we'll do these things. We'll be, we'll be busy working outside around the church building. We'll, we'll lead a Sunday school class. If we're the church, we'll, we'll, we'll volunteer to help out with VBS. So many of us did a week ago. We're the church, again, we'll, we'll spend time volunteering at church camp. 
Uh, again, my wife and I were, were incredibly blessed to spend the first part of this week uh, at RLCA teaching second and third grade, and I'm still recuperating from that. Uh, of course, uh, Betsy is uh, spending this coming week as, as Camp Dean over there. And these are all examples. As the church, we'll call on our sick, we'll call on our shut-ins, we'll take them communion, we'll, we'll call them on the phone, stop by, send a note of encouragement. And, and I know some of you already have one of those ministries, one of those notes of encouragement ministries. Those are wonderful. Praise God. Keep those going. I've been blessed by your Christian correspondence myself, and I know so many others have been as well. And these examples are just scratching the surface, right? Just examples of the church, what the church looks like. As the church will serve as a deacon, we'll greet people at the front door, we'll prepare communion. These are just a few of the things. Host group studies, offer someone a ride, but you see what ties all of this work together, although it's done by different people, is the cause. Is the cause. The cause for the church is Christ. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Paul says it this way to the Romans in chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Turn there with me, please. Paul writes, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we... Though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Okay, so that means if we, the church, if we're ever confused or thrown off or forget as to what we're supposed to be spending our time doing, if we feel as though we get sidetracked from what our response in faith should be at all times, if we ever wonder what following Jesus tangibly looks like, this is it. One body, many different parts. Once you're a member, once you're part of the body of Christ, once you're a Christian, once you're a Christ follower, you are called as an individual to serve one another. That's what that means. Christianity says we're all going to be one. Now, in saying this, don't be confused by that. Christianity isn't offering some kind of New Age mumbo-jumbo. We don't literally become some kind of light source, or some light source becoming us, or our energy absorbed into the same essence that my energy is absorbed into, doing away with us as individuals in the progress. The preacher's even wearing sunglasses as he's saying all this. Wow. The Bible isn't trying to, to, to peddle us some kind of uh, Buddhism, you know, every now and then. Preacher, that wasn't even a joke. The body of Christ, made up of many individuals, verse 5, is still made up of individuals. Not clones, not clones, but individuals with different functions, verse 4, all for the same purpose, service. This is really exciting when we think about it. This is really neat stuff. And Paul goes on in verse 6 of Romans chapter 12, and this isn't uh, up on the screen, but he goes on to say, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. What are some of these gifts? Paul mentions uh, prophesying, service, teaching, exhorting, uh, contributing, leading acts of mercy, just to some of the different gifts given to you, 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 by God. 
So no matter how you're using your gifts from Jesus for Jesus, thank you this morning. From the sound booth to the classroom, thank you. No matter how you use your gifts, brother and sister, this week, from uh, playing a guitar at praise team practice, swinging a hammer in front of the church building or at the campground, many other things that are unseen by others, you are honoring Christ. You are serving God. You are being the church. You're being the church. For in our church congregations, church activity, not, not passivity, not just sitting back, but jumping in, getting involved. This makes all the difference scripturally between church growth and death. And this goes back to those 12 guys that first followed Jesus a couple thousand years ago. Active. But maybe you think this morning, uh, preacher, I get that. I, I understand what you're saying about using our gifts to meet the greater needs of the church and serve Jesus, and that makes a lot of sense. But what does this have to do with the sermon series we're in, with spiritual warfare? And because I'm, I'm kind of a goofy guy, I'm sure some of you figured that out by now, because I'm kind of a goofy guy that's probably consumed a little too much media, my mind drifts to a significant piece of dialogue from a very significant film series. Raise your hand if you're familiar with Star Wars. Episode 1, the one from the 90s. You know, the one that, that nobody seems to like today, well, at least until the latest Han Solo spinoffs come out, but that's another story. And if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, don't worry about it, it's nerd stuff. Stay with me on this. There's a scene in Star Wars Episode One. If you're a Star Wars person and you remember, it's the part where young Anakin Skywalker is speaking with Jedi Master Yoda. Never thought I'd get to talk about this from behind the pulpit. It's kind of cool. Fans of the Star Wars series who saw the original films from the late 70s and 80s know that young Anakin Skywalker, having just left home as a child to meet and possibly train with the great Jedi warriors Yoda and others, we know Anakin is going to grow up to be the big bad Darth Vader by episode four, by 1977. Stay with me. The great Yoda, portrayed in the original 70s films by a Muppet, now in the 90s, a computer-generated little green man who sounds just like a Muppet. Yoda senses Anakin's fear in all this and says, see through you we can, because Yoda is apparently older than proper English grammar. One of the other great Jedi warriors in the scene I'm referencing then turns to young Anakin and says, your thoughts dwell with your mother. Yoda comments, afraid to lose her, I think. <laughs> Growing impatient with the conversation, the young Anakin responds, what's that got to do with anything? And Yoda replies forcefully, everything. <laughs> and everything is also our answer to the question. I knew that'd get your attention. What does serving one another in Christ have to do with spiritual warfare? Everything. Serving one another in Christ is what the battle is all about. But where Yoda in Star Wars goes on to explain to Anakin, and this is kind of a cool quote, Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. This might be more Fozzie Bear than Yoda, to be honest. <laughs> 
Our explanation is everything, John 13, 35, in which Jesus says, Jesus says, infinitely more relevant than a New Age Muppet could ever be. Jesus says in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now listen very carefully. When the church is busy doing what we are led by Christ to do, no matter where Christ calls us, the church is actively carrying out its mission against the devil. When we're serving one another, we're defending one another. We're actually taking our swords, our Bibles, our words of God, and we're being doers of God's word, not just hearers only for one another. James 1.22 Using our gifts within the church is how we literally defend how we build up the church. Or maybe you think, well, pushing a few buttons or making some coleslaw every now and again doesn't seem very heroic. And sound operator and kitchen helper are not duties specifically given in the list surrounding our text. But as the church, we do these things too, as well as so many other good works for Christ. Because the ability to do these things, we are not called to keep for ourselves. We're given them to give back for kingdom use. Romans 12.5. It's why we're given these gifts. And that's a big deal. So we go into spiritual battle as the church defensively in our churches by carrying out our individual missions, serving one another. And by doing so, we're also showing those outside whom we're following. It has everything to do with spiritual warfare. But what happens, my friends, if, if God has given us gifts of teaching to teach or leading to lead or resources to contribute or a green thumb to landscape and we, we, we don't use these things for him? When, when the church neglects our witness to the world around us by neglecting one another, what happens is we instead uh, give in to an Anakin Skywalker type of fear. It paralyzes us. Talk about the dark side, right? When we're not standing firm against the devil's schemes by working together as the body, we're instead becoming about as useless as a blind right eye. And speaking of blind right eyes, I've been told before, and I do agree once again, that he who can laugh at himself will never run out of material. This isn't a pleasant truth. If, if we aren't functioning together as body members, it's just like we're dead to the body. It's just like we're dead to the body. Sometimes you might hear somebody say uh, snidely, well, so-and-so is dead to me now. But that's just what happens in the church when we don't work together. Orthopedic surgeons will actually tell you if you don't use a muscle found in the human body, you will lose it. The muscle will just wither away, and the same is absolutely true with Christians. I don't care how much you want to believe that going to church worship doesn't make you a Christian. If you don't practice your Christianity with other Christians, it will tear us apart. Hebrews 10.25 I mentioned earlier in this series how, how sneaky the schemes of the devil are. Just think about how he sidetracks us so often. Just think about it. We could spend our time as the body. We could get together. We could plan an extensive evangelistic effort into this, into this neighborhood, into surrounding Montcalm County. Maybe get a, a big map to scale, dig up an old at, an old at, an old, oh, try that again. Dig up an old atlas. <laughs> and you remember the atlas uh, before the days of GPS and take the next right, make a U-turn, oops. 
We could spend our time together over a big atlas as the body uh, some evening planning a big door-to-door effort uh, for year 151 as Ferris Church. We could take a big map. We could divide it into sections. We could decide who's going to go to what doors inviting people to worship on Sunday. Wow. We, we could do that as a group. Or as individuals, we can bicker uselessly against one another about color of carpet or budget decisions of the past or Sunday morning worship styles. Do you see the difference? Which would the devil prefer? As the body, we could follow our mission to go teach baptized by bringing non-Christian friends with us to worship, teaching them about Jesus, encouraging them at a lunch invite or potluck to follow him past the pew in front of me, back to this big body of water behind me. That's a lot of work for an individual Christian. As individuals, we can bring people into the body, but let's face it, it's going to take a network, it's going to take some mentoring, a group of people, Christ recruited 12, to disciple new Christians. If the preacher is the only person to reach out to a church visitor or a potential body member, or maybe the preacher plus a couple elders are the only people to attempt to network with a baby Christian or newly baptized body member, statistically we can probably forget these individuals sticking around too long. Because every individual, when they come into this body, when they come into this place, is meant to network is meant to have a function among the other functioning members of the body. They need a job within the body. But too often, it seems as though we treat potential members of the church or visitors like a gallbladder that's at 5% functionality. It'll be gone shortly anyway. It's got no use here. (laughs) But as the body, we can follow our mission to go teach baptized together, together as one. No matter how much reaching out, bringing in, and following up is going to take us out of our personal comfort zones. As individuals, too often we choose the way we've always done things. We, we uh, decide that we're going to follow ministries the way we've, already, we've always perpetuated them, or we're going to use methods we've, we've already grown accustomed to and stay just the same as we are today. Now, I'm not, I'm not describing Ferris Church this morning. I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. But the devil works on our church families, you see, the same way he works on our families at home. We talked about that last week. He wants us to forget what we can do as a group, as one, to influence our communities for Christ. Instead, focus on what I want. The devil wants us not to think about how we can come together as a congregation or maybe alongside a congregation down the street to have a bigger impact, but to think competitively. Well, how can we get their people to come to our church instead? The devil is coming at all of us with just one intention, and that's to divide. To divide, to scatter. So how do we stand our ground against him? The word of God tells us that as brothers we are to serve our Father, by serving each other. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, we must be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. When it comes down to spiritual warfare in Christ's church, we learn to come together not as just a bunch of local random people who happen to believe the same things about some historical figure, but as the actual family of God. Family of God. Think about it. What a statement of love. In fact, the Bible says it is love. This is how we know uh, God is love. The Bible says when we become Christians, we become God's adopted children. First chapter, John. God's adopted children. That's pretty cool. So perhaps 
This means we need to come together to serve in ways, using methods, trying things we haven't uh, tried of or thought of since last week's family reunion. On that note, I would like to talk about uh, Ferris Church a minute, some things I'm excited about, uh, some things I'm just crazy about. We've had some ministries get kicked off recently, and I believe these things are doing just that. Uh, besides all the anniversary committee work that's going on right now, we've had the uh, Men of Courage men's group, and I, I realize that's on break for the summer. That's going to, I believe, kick off again in September uh, later this year. And if you haven't joined this group or, or you don't know anything about this group, you don't know what you're missing. This group sees up to dozen and a half, I believe, people. Uh, it's represented uh, up to four different congregations in the past. Our uh, Ladies of Light women's group has had similar results. And as a matter of fact, has involvement from all of our area churches of Christ, including the uh, Christians in Action House Church. Speaking of uh, the area churches of Christ, the, the combined Thanksgiving service continues strong every year. We had over 100 people join us here for our combined Good Friday service this year. Lord willing, that'll be back next year. You know, we're a small country congregation, but I believe God blesses these efforts. These efforts, we come together, we serve not just as the little C church, but as the big C universal church and maybe we wonder well how are we blessing the community through these efforts well you just don't know that someone isn't saying about us wow there's a church that cares enough to make their efforts more about giving back together to the community than they are filling their own pews no wonder they're going on 150 years old and there's a statement I believe could be said about Ferris Church of Christ after 150 years. God continues to bless this church. And we see that. We see that in our benevolence giving, our missionary support, our baby pantry, because we've stayed busy caring about one another. And that could be said about this church. But I've got to be honest with you, friends. We, we've got to keep at it. We got to keep at it. Like so many churches of, of every size everywhere, again, uh, statistically, Statistically, did you realize that only 10%, only 10% of a given congregation is actually involved in the work of the church? Only 10%, statistically. And that's, I don't care where you go, statistically. And so that means if you're here this morning, you have a job to do. You, you have a job to do. God gave me a gift to do. God gave you a gift to do, to return. And if you're not sure where you fit in this morning and in all of this when it comes to using your gifts, would you come see me? Would you, would you talk to one of the elders? We, get plugged in. We, we want you to get plugged in. Is the text implying once you start volunteering your gifts to God, you'll never have to deal with spiritual warfare again? Raise your hand if that makes it easy, if you think that makes it easier. No. The battle's likely to even rage on more fiercely for you, as many of us certainly can tell you, right? Here's a, a little bit of a personal story for you. Over 20 years ago, a close family member was, was able to help uh, jumpstart a uh, daycare service with the local congregation. A lady came up through the ranks that uh, simply uh, didn't, didn't care too much for this person. It got political. They had a little bit of political power to heave within that church. Within a year, 
This individual was very uncomfortably forced out of the very ministry they got started. Volunteer. Years later, the daycare service remained. The individual did not. In fact, their church attendance, even their walk with Jesus, it was affected for a little while. Don't let Satan do this to you. Don't, don't let the devil get the best of you. What this person did wasn't right, but don't let a withered muscle throw the whole proverbial leg out of whack spiritually. Have you ever been wounded by a Christian brother or sister in battle? Have you ever been afraid of getting involved because you might get wounded by a Christian brother or sister in battle? Once again, you already have victory in Jesus. We've mentioned that before. In the meantime, those who follow him are still called to stand together against one enemy. Don't let the devil make you think otherwise. And you know what? And this may not be the easy part of this, but the calling is to stand firm together against one enemy, not be sidetracked, not think it's about anyone or, any, or anything else, but to do this joyfully. To do this with joy, even or especially when Satan strikes us the hardest. When we stumble the most, as one author writes, Satan will often attempt to steal our happiness about what God is doing in our lives. Don't take the bait. Don't give in. Double back on your peace and joy in God. Rely on God over every situation you face. You're his children. As Nehemiah told God's people in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. Then he says, Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Our service together is meant to be a celebration. It's meant to be a celebration. Like any family, God's family is under satanic attack. And we don't even have to turn on the news to see it, do we? we? We'll know it from the church pews from time to time. I've said it before, there are just some people that, you know, they spread happiness wherever they go, and then there are others. They spread happiness whenever they go. So it, it's going to take the joy of the Lord to be our strength. It's going to take the joy of the Lord to keep the body moving together to one goal, furthering the cause of Christ. Furthering the cause of Christ. Some days we're just going to have to depend on that joy a little bit more than others. I'm needing a little extra joy today, Lord. Because whether you're a new volunteer or you're a longtime elder, there's always going to be somebody that just doesn't like you. They don't like the, the, the way you, you, you shave your cat. <laughs> I didn't write that down here. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> they don't like the way you're serving God. Criticism, not constructive, but destructive. It's going to come forth from the most surprising of places, isn't it? Once you get involved, once you serve. The story is told of a, a baseball coach who, who pulled one of his nine-year-old ball players aside one day and asked, do you understand what cooperation is, what a team is all about? Yeah, coach, replied the little boy. 
Do you understand that it's important whether we win or lose together as a team? Little boy nodded in the, in the affirmative. So the coach continued, I'm sure you know then, when, when an out is called, you shouldn't argue or yell back, you big dork, at the umpire. You understand all that? Again, the boy nodded in the affirmative. The coach continues, and when I take you out of the game so that another boy gets a chance to play, it's not because the coach has a few fries short of a combo plate. It's not because I'm so dumb I couldn't pour water out of a boot with instructions on the heel. That's right, coach, the boy replied. Good, said the coach. Now go over there and explain all that to your grandmother. Sometimes the words of a fellow Christian can be a lot like those of that grandmother. We're all guilty from time to time of sitting back and criticizing rather than stepping forward and doing God's work. But it's critical that we remember what's best for the team. In the moments where we're just being critical, there's at least a possibility that we're just speaking evil against a brother, James 4.11. But the Bible says this, Galatians 6.10, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Wow. Doing good is going to mean not dwelling on negativity, on the disappointments that we've experienced in the church, but instead drawing our strength from the joy of the Lord and the ways of grace. Doing good means standing up in battle for one another, not attacking our fellow brothers on the battlefield or even our non-Christian acquaintances on the other side. Doing good means remembering the battle is ultimately not for any cause or platform or person except Jesus Christ. And that means not letting any non-essential issues or political think tanks or the Facebook bandwagon add more division to the church family. And by the way, when it comes to arguing over issues in the news in many places, chances are the news you received this morning is being catered to your biases. You've signed up for those outlets. The only news that still ultimately matters to eternity is the good news of salvation in Jesus. Amen? And finally, doing good means using the gifts we've been given by God. Don't allow Satan to distract or persuade us away from service. The Christian plight does not just consist of coming to worship on Sunday mornings, brothers and sisters. Maybe if we feel like it. Because spiritual warfare is real, and it's right here. My challenge for you this week, see what the family needs. Get involved. Get involved. Some of, some of you, a uh, call might send a note from time to time with ideas, and praise God, I think that's great. If you need ideas, again, come see me. Talk to an elder. If you're already involved serving, praise God. Keep fighting that good fight. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep standing up to Satan in our churches. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Next Sunday, we're going to conclude this series. Until then, remember, we're family. We're family. We're here for one another. Together against the devil, may we stand one of another. Let's pray.